0: Let's start with with prayer, and then we're going to open up to the Word of God in the book of 2 Corinthians. So if you could pray with me, please. God, we need your help this morning to be weak. The very nature of our faith is such that we can't be strong on our own, because that would it would take your place, but our temptation through day-to-day life, the, the, the struggles we go through, the desires of our hearts, the, uh, the inclinations of our flesh, tend to pull us away from your kingship, and we try to form our own thrones, we try to create our own kingdoms, and we rule them very well most of the time in our own minds. But the truth is, God, that um, we're left wanting. We're left groaning, as we'll see in your, your word today. And just as many of us probably remember coming to a point in our life where we understand our need for Jesus, whether we were five or 50. We need to come to you today. We need your help to come to you today and surrender. So help us to look into your word. Help us to see what it is your spirit desires to teach us. And let us, just like that one day, perhaps many years ago, surrender to the true king who is all we need to so help us. Help us today, Lord, to uh, to be taught, to be maybe broken, but also uh, to receive great hope of the glory that is to come. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So, uh, many of you may be uh, similarly kinda in, in this position where when I think of having become a believer almost twenty years ago, uh, still remembering, you know, I wasn't five and and giving up all the worldly ways that a five year old <laughs> is into. But I, I was old enough to to know kind of what the world was like without Jesus. I remember what it was like to be able to to be a non Christian. Uh, and think that everything was okay. Uh, When I became a Christian, I did feel a a deep need for Jesus, as many of us have. But my expectations were here, uh, and not that God let me down, but I found that the reality of life was somewhere else entirely. The reality of following Jesus through day-to-day life um, was different than what I expected. I didn't expect as much, maybe, difficulty. didn't expect as many challenges because I thought perhaps maybe my life would just be fixed and great and wonderful. Um, what we're going to look at here in, in God's Word today is... A spiritual reality that there is a future glory coming. There's a future coming that far outweighs our expectations of today. And it sets our hearts in the right place if we're humble. So, my aim today is to help us to see that despite our expectations, despite our struggles, God is, is here ready to help. His Spirit is alive and present and ready to help guide us through today with an eye towards the future and the glory that will come someday, but not <coughs> totally quite yet. So uh, we're going to be in Second Corinthians chapter 5. If you could turn with me there, please. Paul wrote this letter to a whole bunch of people who struggled just like you and I do. His first letter, 1 Corinthians, addressed a bunch of issues uh, that they were struggling with. Um, He he really drove home the the unity, the importance of their unity in Christ and what that meant for their relationships with each other uh, in 1 Corinthians and that is just great to see his desire for their unity as a body. Uh, We understand that Paul came to the Corinthians at another point and really sought to to help address issues that they were dealing with. He was kind of let down by that. It didn't really go the way he planned. Uh, Second Corinthians is actually the third letter that was written after Paul's kind of unsuccessful visit in his eyes to say you know in the second letter we've got to deal with these issues we have to you guys have to have to deal with this uh, straighten up and fly right if I could put it that way um, it's referred to as his severe letter 2nd Corinthians he really speaks with a lot of joy about where the people are at this point where they have, have kind of God has changed them and worked in their lives But to some degree, they've sort of gotten some unrealistic expectations about what it means to follow Jesus and and who is important in their eyes. Uh, There are some people Paul refers to as like super apostles that they see as, wow, these guys are impressive. These guys are educated. These guys are, um, you know, trained to to do this, this leadership, this pastoring of the church. And Paul, not hugely impressive in their eyes. So to some degree, we see Paul in this letter defending his apostleship, but to another degree, we see him really bringing out the importance of weakness before God. Not importance, not impressiveness, but weakness before him. Um, So we're going to see that a lot, and we're going to apply that to our lives because For sure, we are weak. So, verse 1, chapter 5. For we know that if the tent that is our earthly home is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this tent we groan, longing to put on our heavenly dwelling, if indeed by putting it on we may not be found naked. For while we are still in this tent, we groan, being burdened, not that we would be unclothed, but that we would be further clothed, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. He who has prepared us for this very thing is God, who has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. We're going to go on. We're going to look at uh, a little bit further in this passage later on. But what I want to bring out first and foremost is... In verse 1, he sets our perspective. He creates an eternal perspective by saying, we know that if this tent, our earthly home that we're in right now, is destroyed, we have a building from God. A house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. Everything you see, everything you experience, everything around you at this very moment, is temporary, except for the soul inside of you. The struggles that you face, the car that you drive, which may be one of the struggles that you face, uh, is temporary, your job is temporary. Everything will one day be destroyed. Not just for the sake of destruction, but because something better is coming. We know that God is preparing for us, has prepared an eternal, everlasting dwelling in the heavens. So that should create hope. But that gives us perspective right now. Because a little further on, we're going to see, he's talking about groaning. He's talking about struggling through this life. And we have to have this eternal perspective if we're going to have hope. (laughs) when we struggle. So he sets the stage with an eternal perspective. We're going to talk about groaning. Look at verse 2. In this tent we groan, longing to put on our heavenly dwelling. If indeed by putting it on, we may not be found naked. When I read this verse, and, and just in studying this passage, I think to myself, groaning. How do we groan? That's one example right there. Baby crying. It is, actually. Uh, we, We groan in this life. We sometimes do long, like he says, for our heavenly dwelling. But when I look at this, I say, wait a second. I know that I groan a lot. And I'm not thinking about my heavenly dwelling. Right? Can we admit that up front? Can we be honest with ourselves and say, if... If I consider the ways that I've grown, I understand that if I'm stuck in traffic, I am not thinking about the glory to come. I'm thinking about getting to work on time. Okay? Or I'm just thinking about how can I make the person in front of me understand that I just hate this position that I'm in right now, okay? That they are in my way and they are causing me pain, right? Um, I thought that maybe we could, I'm not going to do this, Okay, so just be at ease. But I thought maybe we could go through and all of you could give me an example of various types of groaning. That would be fun, huh? Because that would, I mean, there would be so many different sounds that would come from. But anyway, we groan. We are depressed. We are angry. We're frustrated. Sometimes we call it frustrated, but we're actually angry. we're let down, we are in despair, we are treated unfairly, we're weary and exasperated. Sometimes we feel like we get the raw deal. What is it that causes the groaning in our lives? I want to open it up and ask you, what are your thoughts in your daily life? What are some of the things that kind of lead us to go uh, and groan? This is where I give it to you. It's where I call the youth group as a softball question. It's right in your court here. I well, I know enough about sports that softball doesn't have a court, but anyway, go ahead. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and we'll see that as we continue. What else? What are some of life's circumstances or experiences that cause us to groan? Joel? Somebody gets something that I think I deserve, yeah. Right. Tim? Yes, yeah. So (laughs) when things kind of interrupt our... um, our expectations. Uh, last night, when I was printing my notes for the sermon, the printer sucked up all of the paper in one go, and I went, "Oh, <laughs> why are you doing this to me?" It's a printer; it didn't know, it had no idea. Um, but it just that those things happen, right? And they cause us to groan. We get frustrated, and in our minds, it's just something simple like, "I don't deserve for this to happen to me." Um, the sermon notes are three pages long and I think I had 20 pages of wasted paper because of <laughs> what the printer was doing. And I was groaning a lot and this was a perfect example for me after preparing the sermon to be like, okay, fine, okay, Lord, it's just a printer. But this world is broken. Um, not just, you know, broken printers or broken cars, but this world is broken. This world Things happen that, that kind of interrupt our, our perfect, you know, paradise, so to speak. There's a lot of things that we justifiably groan about. Pain. There's pain in the world. There are people where we struggle with sickness. We struggle with, uh, with, I mean, death. There's so much in our world that we rightfully just, oh, man, I wish it were different because sin has, has brought these realities to us. But there are many things that we groan about that maybe uh, we would be better off to understand this eternal perspective that we should have. Verse 3 says, if we are groaning, longing to put on our, our heavenly dwelling. In verse 3, if indeed by putting it on, we may not be found naked. Naked this passage illuminates to us the underlying reason for our groaning. For most of us, at least to ourselves, we think, we think that it's the circumstances that we're experiencing from day to day. We think that it's co-workers. We think that it's the people in traffic. We think that it's cars and whatever it is worries about finances. But the truth about the groaning that happens, whether we understand it this way or not, is our souls long for something more. We long for something eternally satisfying. We long for something that won't go away. We don't want to be found naked. We don't want to be let down. We want eternal satisfaction that only comes from God. That's why Paul started this, letter, this passage off this way. We know that we have a heavenly dwelling that is eternal, made by God in the heavens. Let's move on to verse 4. While we are still in this tent, we groan being burdened Not that we would be unclothed, but that we would be further clothed so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. The burdens that we face, the difficulties that that come upon us, when we look at them, we think, this gets in the way of my life. This is a hindrance to my life. If this were gone, my life would be better. Right? That's how we feel. But Paul is saying, while we're here in this tent, we groan being burdened, not that we would be unclothed. This is the truth about our burdens. Okay? But that we would be further clothed. The true desire of our hearts is to be clothed with eternity. To be clothed with this heavenly dwelling, the blessing of that God gives us through Christ. We want burdens to be removed. It feels like they're swallowing us up, but true life is actually like light to the darkness of our trials. True life swallows that darkness up. He says, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life, we want life. Life is not found in not getting an interruption to our workday. Life is not found in not having a car breakdown. Life is not found in you know not experiencing disobedient children, okay? Because as soon as that might go away, something else comes up, okay? Life is found in Christ. Life is found in God. We need an eternal perspective because we need to understand that God is actually in control despite those difficulties, despite those things that we're going through. So, in verse 5, He who has prepared us for this very thing is God, who has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. First, He who has prepared us is God. Not the universe, not karma, not our own self-reliance, but God, eternal God in the heavens. And not just that an eternal God in the heavens has allowed for these things to happen, but he's prepared us, okay? This is a part of his plan. His plan's not just that you'll go through difficult things. It's not just that you'll experience strife, trials, and difficulty. His plan is much better. Look at Ephesians chapter 1. If you could turn there with me, please. I'm going to start in verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Even as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we, would be, we should be holy and blameless before Him. In love, He predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of His will we have been chosen from the beginning of time to be adopted as sons through Christ and daughters. From the beginning of time, God ordained that you would be His child. And despite the trials, despite the difficulty, despite the things that make you go, ah. God has designed for your life to be one that, that forms you into Christ. Not into Christ, but Christ-likeness. Okay? We've been chosen from eternity past to be His child. So there's no, uh, there's no despair because of my trials. There's no lack of hope because of the difficulty that I'm going through. If God's chosen us as children, if, God, if we have been adopted as sons, the things you experience from day to day are not outside of His control. They're not outside of His plan. They're designed, they're, they're there to help you be conformed to His image. Let's turn back to... Actually, we're going to go to Romans chapter eight. If you could, please. I skipped ahead slightly because, finally, in verse five of uh, of Second Corinthians five, um, he said that he has given us the Spirit as a guarantee what does it mean that God has given us the Spirit as a guarantee, the Holy Spirit? Romans chapter 8 says so much about the Spirit of God working in us and through us in our, in our lives. Um, I was very tempted to like switch the sermon to Romans chapter 8 completely because of this, because it's so just meaty and full. Uh, but Regardless, we'll go to Romans 8, and if you could look at me with, uh, look with me at verse 15. I'm going to start in 14. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear One thing that I want to point out about the Spirit of God is that it, not it, He creates faith in us. It's God's Spirit who reveals truth to us about our need for Christ. It is the Spirit of God by whom we cry, in verse 15, Abba, Father. You've probably heard that Abba is like saying, Daddy crying out with desperate need and love for our Father. The Spirit helps us when, our, when we are weak. Verses 26 and 27 of Romans chapter 8. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray as we ought, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts, this is God, knows what is the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. We don't talk about the Spirit of God a lot in Christian circles. But God's Spirit creates inside of us what we can't create in ourselves. It's by Him that we cry, Abba, Father. We need help understanding. We need help from the Spirit of God to understand the spiritual reality of our physical world. The truth behind what we see and sometimes can't see past. When all we see is our trials. When all we see is our difficulty. Or all we see is the people who get in our way, perhaps. When all we see is money. It's a struggle to understand the spiritual reality behind our physical world. This, this part of Romans chapter 8, especially where it says that it's by the Spirit we cry, Abba, Father. And it's, it's him who gives us the ability to even cry out in need for our daddy. I thought about my son. Many of us, we have a two-month-old daughter, right? She's two months old. She's working on her third. Um, and people ask, how she's sleeping? And when they ask me, I'm like, I mean, I'm sleeping great because I'm like, I'm not the one who has to get up with her all the time, and Libby is wonderful. Um, the baby, though, she does wake up like, you know, once in the stretch of an evening. So we have nights where it's like seven hours. You know, that she's, she's asleep. That's awesome. That's really great for my wife, because I still, I sleep through the whole thing. Um, but Matthew, my six-year-old, he wakes up more than she does. And especially since she's been born, he wakes up with nightmares. He's stressed out. He loves his sister. He doesn't understand why he's stressed out, but he's stressed out. But he has nightmares all the time, and his bedroom shares a wall with ours. There are some nights when I wish it didn't, because he'll wake up and he'll knock on the wall. And it's great, because like we kind of taught him like, okay, just knock on the wall. The blood-curdling screams have been really taxing on our hearts, uh, but sometimes he wakes up screaming. and he calls for Mommy or daddy. Have you ever had that horrible dream where you still can't understand that moment when you wake up? Am I still there? Is the dinosaur still trying to eat me, or am I in my bed? He needs mommy or daddy to come to him and say, it's okay, daddy's here. Whatever you dreamt about, whatever it is that's going on, It's just a dream. It's not real. The Spirit of God creates this understanding of our need inside of us. The Spirit of God reveals to us the truth of the spiritual struggle that's happening. And when it's hard for us to understand the difference, the Spirit of God comes and helps intercedes for us and says God is here he's ready to help when we don't know what to say when we don't know what to do when all we can do is groan the spirit intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words Wow, am I glad that the Holy Spirit is available and here to help. Jesus said that it would be better for the Spirit of God to come, for the Holy Spirit to come, the helper, than for Him to stay. And I I take His word for that. Our eternal perspective helps us to understand the spiritual reality behind the things around us that we we struggle with from day to day. Let's go back to 2 Corinthians. We're going to see in a moment that the fight that we have, the battle that we have is a a battle of faith. And in a moment, we're going to see Paul say that we live by faith and not by sight. We can see why that's important based on what we've seen so far that the Spirit of God reveals to us the truth behind our struggles, the the actual true need that we have for our Father to come be our helper. Uh, Verse 6, 2 Corinthians 5, verse 6. So we are always of good courage, We know that while we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. As long as we are here, we are away from the Lord. We are not yet with Him to experience the fullness of His glory, the fullness of His presence to us. That's what he means. Verse 7, for we walk by faith, not by sight. I was asking Libby what she thought of the next thing I'm going to say because I don't there's something that kind of in my mind doesn't sit right with me when I hear people say it. And and perhaps it's just a, a pet peeve. But anyway. We in, in our world today as Christians can desire greatly for Jesus to come back now and end our suffering. We look... Now listen, okay. I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to interrupt myself and say... Uh, I'm going <laughs> to preface what I'm about to say by saying this. Uh, there's no political agenda coming from up here. Okay? Uh, but this is a f- really real thing that we feel from day to day. Okay? Um, so there are Christian, Christians who have multiple political viewpoints, and I'm not intending to inform those viewpoints or tell you what you should think. Okay, So uh, when it comes to things like gay marriage, when it comes to things like abortion, when it comes to things like even just how our government handles tax income, it's income for them, for us it's taxes. Anyway, um, we can groan. We look at that. We see circumstances in our country. We see people who are elected. I'm not pointing to any particular person who's elected. I'm just saying we see what's happening and we go, come Lord Jesus, you know, because we think that it's gotten as worse, as bad as it could be. Right? That's how we feel. We look at the world around us and we're like, come Lord Jesus. And I hear that phrase. I know that's in the Bible. Okay? It's in the Bible. Um, In Revelation. And I know that David, in the Psalms, it's called an imprecatory psalm, if you wanted to know. David, in the Bible, says, vindicate me! (laughs) Help me! Come, bring justice! Okay? I know that. But we also see David submitting to the authority of God despite the circumstances surrounding him. So in my mind, when I hear, come Lord Jesus, because I hear it in the context of, I can't believe that person got elected, I can't believe they made that decision in the court, I can't believe they did this or that or whatever, I, I wonder, and, and we'll, we'll at least give it that much authority, I wonder whether we go too quickly to desire justice than mercy, we see what is right in front of us. And we see the struggles and the difficulty with those things. And sometimes I think, I I wonder whether we get just too caught up in that. And we might desire that God just brings that to an end. And we kind of write off the human casualties that could be the, the, the soul's that could be a part of that if it were up to us and and maybe just take that into consideration. The Spirit of God leads us. the spirit of God uh, shows us the importance of for, for you and I to know that our heavenly dwelling, the eternal perspective that we're supposed to have as we look towards the glory to come, it far outweighs whatever it is we struggle with here. But we are called to something more than to write off the world. To kind of separate ourselves and make like a camp Jesus and be Oblivious to or separated from all those things. Uh, We're called to a ministry of reconciliation. So this battle of faith, when he says, we walk by faith and not by sight, we're still called to maintain the eternal perspective. And by the end of this section in verse 10, we're going to see him bring out the ultimate reality that judgment will come one day. And there are implications to that. So, um, I want you to look at Romans 8, verse 18. It was We were just there recently, but there are two verses that sum up very easily, very quickly, I should say, uh, what, we're, what we're talking about today. Romans 8:18 8, says, "For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing to the glory that is to be revealed to us." Back in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 17, he says, "For this light momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison." as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. The the Spirit of God leads us in a battle of faith. And helps us to focus on that eternal reality. The thing that I wrote here in my notes is make the eternal weight of glory the reality that one day it will be over. We will be healed. The struggles will be gone. The strife, the sin that we deal with will be gone and, 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 and taken care of. I said make the eternal weight of glory your ammo and sin your target. We like to, to fight with our own Strength in our own abilities, but we see here that our battle of faith is is to understand that eternal reality. Don't dwell on what's temporary. John Piper uh, has uh, referenced another pastor older than him, who I have forgotten. Uh, should have written it down. But with with the concept of preaching to yourself rather than listening to yourself. Preach to your flesh. Don't listen to your flesh. Because my flesh tells me that guy in front of me in traffic deserves to be run off the road. My flesh tells me that the customer at work who calls me lots of colorful names deserves something really bad to happen to him. My flesh tells me I don't deserve this thing that I am now dealing with. It's easy for us as Christians to kind of say, well, you know, you know, you might talk to someone who's like, I can't deal with this. This thing is hard. And sometimes we go, yeah, it is. But do we go past that? Do we go beyond the, yeah, that's really hard, to "Did you know God has a purpose and a plan for you 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 know that God far outweighs the trouble, the burden that you feel is, is insurmountable, insurmountable right now? Do we speak hope into each other's lives or do we just agree that your circumstances are horrible? Even to the point where, is it really helpful for us to say to someone else, hey, you know, someone has it worse than you. That doesn't help me in the least. Because I know someone has it worse than me. And it's hard for me to understand that sometimes. But that does not at all bring the gospel to bear. That That doesn't help my heart to rely on Jesus for my hope, for my life. I think that we as believers owe it to each other To be bold with the gospel with one another. To help each other understand that even though you can't see it right now, Jesus is beautiful and amazing and the Spirit of God desires to help you and intercede for you. And If there's sin in your heart as you struggle with this thing, He forgives you. And He wants you to be able to look forward to the hope that comes and know that someday there will be an end to the pain. Walking by faith and not by sight means that there's no need to be impressive. There's no need to be put together on the outside. If I'm honest, I know that I'm messed up. Spirit-led faith gives us the courage to endure, but it also gives us courage to speak truth to one another. I said it again. He gives us courage to speak truth to one another. Uh, Ray Ortland is a pastor in Nashville, I think, and he uh, he kind of has this mantra with his church body where he says, "This I'm an idiot." My future is incredibly bright, and anyone can get in on this. In our worst moments, when we realize that, oh, you know what? I, I've forgotten the lordship of Christ. I've forgotten the hope that I have. But my future is incredibly bright. I'm forgiven. God has a future and a hope for me. And anyone can get in on this. Anyone. No matter who it is that's getting in your way. No matter who it is that's creating difficulty for you. Even they can get in on this forgiveness. And the Spirit of God can work just as powerfully in their hearts to cry, Abba, Father, as He has in yours. Spirit-led faith creates the courage to love to forgive, speak the gospel into each other's lives. I was impressed with the fact that he says in verse, or in verse, these verses after verse 6, while we're at home in the body, we are away from the Lord, for we walk by faith, not by sight. Yes, we are of good courage, and we would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So whether we are at home or away, regardless of our location, <laughs> Okay, even though we strongly desire to be separate from this world and the difficulties that come with it, even though we wish we could be with God in eternity, whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to please Him. Our actions can't change. We can't become Christians and say, well, the, God, the Lord's going to take care of it, so I'm just going to sit by and wait, tolerate the world around me. If, if we were called to simply tolerate the world around us he wouldn't even say that we need courage because we could just kind of stand over here and enjoy each other's company like that doesn't create difficulty sometimes right uh, and not have to deal with courts and presidents and politicians and various other things right because once those things are gone if it's just us all strife and difficulty go away Right? No. No. Not at all. The Spirit of God creates faith in us. The mercy of God through Christ creates faith and love and the ability to act accordingly towards other people. Uh, John Piper has written this book called Future Grace. Read it, okay? Because if you... This is like if you're tired of eating Cheerios for breakfast every morning, you're suddenly going to get steak and eggs with this kind of book, okay? Because this is amazing theology. Um, But there was a part of this book uh, where John Piper really illustrates where the rubber meets the road for us. And he was humble enough to share his own example, his own experience after an argument with his wife. So, this is what he says. The times that I have felt love welling up in my heart most powerfully have been the times when I have been blessed in the midst of my sin. He's going to share something that we would probably overlook most days. It's just awesome that he provides this perspective. He says, I recall one morning about 20 years ago when this truth hit me clearly for the first time. My wife, Noelle, and I had just had an argument. I can't even remember what it was about, but I was angry. So I took the garbage out, uh, out the door as an excuse to go outside and get some space. Looking back, it's clear that my emotions were way out of proportion to the issue, whatever it was. As I walked down the driveway towards the street where we set the garbage for pickup, the sun broke through the morning clouds. To this day, the profoundness of that moment grips me. Here I was, huffing and puffing with my hurt feelings and desires for vindication and anger at my most valuable treasure on earth. And God, who had every right to strike me dead for my sin, opened the window of heaven and covered me with pleasure. The sun poked through the clouds. I recall stopping and letting it soak in. The morning breeze was cool and the sun was warm. The leaves of the trees were an almost translucent yellow-green. It felt like paradise, garbage in hand. The effect on me was not to feel vindicated, but to feel broken. I thought, God has a thousand times more reason to frown on me than I have to frown on my wife. Yet here I am, being lavished with delights, In the very moment of my sin. This brought tears to my eyes. But far more important than tears. It brought powers of love. And forgiveness. And reconciliation. So I set the garbage down. In more ways than one. And went went back into Noel. And apologized. Later on. He says. The key to faith's power. Is that it embraces the future grace. Promised by God and is more satisfied with this than with the pleasures promised by sin, even if it costs us our lives. Sin promises us promises us many pleasures. Our expectations promise us many pleasures. And oftentimes when those expectations are not met, or those sin, sinful desires are not met. We feel like it's the end of our lives. (laughs) It's not. But the promise of God's Spirit, the promise of eternity, is that that glory far outweighs what you're experiencing right now. Not that it's not important that you're experiencing that, but there's something so much greater to look forward to. This spirit-led faith in this instance with John Piper led him to see past his sinful desire and his need for vindication and to go to his wife and apologize. Our lives and the experiences that we go through, the strife and the difficulty, when we properly see the, gl- the glory and the grace that is to come, when we, when we have this eternal perspective that we are supposed to have, It allows us to move past our feelings for vindication and our feelings for justice and our desire to be satisfied right here and right now. And it allows us to experience God more fully. It allows us then, because of the grace that we have received, to give that grace to others. We need courage to put our faith into action. We're not home yet, okay? But this is not an easy battle. It's a hard one. And as we seek to live out the lives that we're called to live as Christians, we need courage to stand up for and believe the truth. Not to do stupid things, okay? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, you may remember from when Dwight was here preaching didn't need courage to walk into a fiery furnace because that's just silly they needed courage to stand up for and honor God in the midst of a hostile culture Christians don't need courage to be hostile to, to do silly things we need courage to stand up for the truth and to honor God in the midst of our culture And all too often that battle is actually just in our own hearts as opposed to around you. Finally, in verse 10, we must all appear before the judgment of Christ so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. There is one day judgment coming. And I would argue for all of us that because of the grace we've received and the glory that is to come, our task here is to pray and to bring that glory and the, the gospel to bear for others. I want that final day to come. But I don't want it to come before I have enough courage to share the gospel with my dad because I'm still struggling with that. I don't want it to come before I have enough courage to stand up at work and speak what I'm so convicted of to share the gospel with people who desperately need it. I don't want that final day to come before I have had the chance with the strength that God supplies. To do the thing that comes so hard for me. To stand up for the truth and share the gospel that I so desperately rely on. Most of my days, I'm not that honest with myself. But this helps me to understand that I should be. We live in a world that promises comfort, that prizes appearances and having it all together. It's a human fault that we have to maintain appearances. It's a human fault that we have to be satisfied by the here and now. The brutal honesty of the truth that we would even rather avoid in Christian circles, is that we are all deeply in need of the God that we seek to replace by our own sufficiency. When we struggle with fear, when we struggle with pride, we're trying to be in control on our own. We're trying to be our own king. That's why we groan so desperately so much of the time, whether we understand it or not the comfort and glory of the Gospel is that God has fulfilled our need extravagantly in Christ. He has provided the Holy Spirit to create in us the humble surrender that leads us to remove our crowns from our own heads and lay them at the foot of the cross where Jesus defeated the death that our rebellion has earned for us. He graciously accepts us with all of our mess, with all of our unput togetherness. He invites us to continually rely on His power to create in us what we can't create in ourselves a heart that treasures and loves to surrender to Him, acknowledging our need for forgiveness and redemption. Our struggle doesn't cease while we live on this side of eternity however while we're tempted to keep up with appearances and ignore our need when we feel like we encounter things that seem insignificant to us and should be under our control he's still there ready to help ready to forgive and ready to be strong when we find that we've overestimated ourselves All that's required is that we come to him with empty hands, admit our weakness, and covet his strength, and follow his son. Lord, help us to do this. Help us to surrender. We desperately need your spirit to guide us. There's nothing more than that, Lord. So this week, and with your grace, the rest of our... We need your help to see things clearly and to understand the spiritual reality behind our daily struggle. So bring that clarity, bring that help that your Spirit provides, and allow us to humbly surrender to you so that you may be strong on our behalf.